Welcome, MEC family and friends, to our online worship service. We are glad that you are here to worship with us. Here's a reading from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap, and to make them sit with princes, with the princess of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let us now quiet down our hearts and prepare to worship our God with songs of praise to him. My soul, I give you full control. Wherever you may lead, I will follow. I have made a choice to listen for your voice. The shepherd of my soul is by my side. Should I face a mighty mountain, a valley dark and deep, the shepherd of my soul will be my guide. Shepherd of my soul, I give you for Wherever you may lead, I will follow. I have made a choice to listen for your voice. Wherever you may lead, I will go. Be it in a quiet pasture or by a gentle the shepherd of my soul is by my side. Should I face a mighty mountain, a valley dark and deep, the shepherd of my soul will be my guide. Another happy Lord's Day to you, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It always moves spectators to see fathers cheering their sons during a competition. One example, 
many of you are familiar with, is the story of Derek Redmond in the 1992 Olympics. And there are also movies that involve fathers telling their sons not to give up. I started playing basketball at a late age and also by force when I was already in grade 6. I never liked watching the NBA. I never liked anything about basketball. And it made me hate it even more when my dad had to change the channel from Cartoon Network to watch the Spurs play in NBA TV. But if you ask him about NBA and basketball today, you'll get a different response. I can recall my very first competitive basketball game. It was during our intramurals when I was still in second year high school. My parents dropped me off our school that Saturday afternoon, but they had to leave immediately for a church meeting. I wasn't expecting them to show up. Well, not at least after the game, just to bring me home. But with five minutes left in the game, the commentator, our church pastor then, announced the presence of my parents. And by hearing that, I was quickly brought back into the game. And in that last five minute span, I was given opportunities to score a basket. Unfortunately, I didn't get to score a single point. I think we even lost the game. But you know, I went home feeling like a champion because my parents' presence encouraged me. This precisely is the relationship Paul and Timothy had. A spiritual father encouraging his spiritual son to run the race for the kingdom of God, even though the times were difficult. And by knowing the aspects of how Paul discipled Timothy, may we be moved by the Holy Spirit to do likewise with the people that God has placed in our lives. As we continue our sermon series on discipleship, we will deal with discipleship intentionality today by looking at 1 Timothy as an overview, and then we'll look at 2 Timothy and we'll spend more time there. So this is our main idea. Intentional discipleship is personal, active, and patient as we build up God's people to be mature and faithful men and women for our master, Jesus Christ. That is intentional discipleship. It is personal, active, and patient as we build up God's people for them to be mature and faithful men and women for our master, Jesus Christ. Our sermon passage is based on 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and we'll jump to chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and then chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Please open your Bibles with me. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestor, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Let's jump to chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, 
and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege and access that we have in Christ Jesus to worship you and know that it will be acceptable to you. Lord, you have been preserving your people out of your grace and mercy. We come before you acknowledging that without you, we would still be lost in the darkness of this world. Thank you for showing us the great light through the work of the Holy Spirit, who is active daily in our lives. We understood the gospel and believed in your Son, Jesus. We seek for forgiveness in times we doubted your love and presence in our lives. We ask that you continue to change our minds and our hearts to respond with faith and confidence in you alone. Lord, as we prepare to hear your voice, take away any form of distraction. Keep us focused and empower us to do what your word commands us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Paul met Timothy in Lystra during his second missionary journey. Timothy came to Christ when he was at a young age through his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice because they too were also believers. Eventually, Timothy became Paul's companion and spiritual son. There were times when they had to work separately and that's when Paul wrote his letters to the young pastor. We are going to take a look at some of the ways Paul showed intentionality to disciple Timothy. For our first point, intentional discipleship is personal. It is personal. I remember the time when we just moved into Glenside, Pennsylvania, back in the States. My dad's seminarian classmate, who eventually became a close family friend, gave us a tour around the neighborhood. He showed us the best and the cheapest supermarket. He even prepared cut-out coupons from the newspaper for us to use. He showed us the nearest bank. He showed us the shortcuts to, to the seminary and also to the church that we used to attend. He also showed us the restaurants that have huge price drops in certain days. So this seminarian classmate was just tasked to fetch us from the airport. But he did everything he could and imparted whatever knowledge that he had in order to help us adapt easily. In the same way, intentional discipleship is not just doing the task, but to do all that we can for those people whom God entrusted to us. I want to use the word entrust because we are not only accountable to these people, but most especially, we are accountable to God. So an important step in intentional discipleship is to establish a personal relationship with those whom God entrusted to you. It means orienting our lives towards others, just as what Jesus did. He lived for others. Now, that's a biblical pattern we, we don't only observe in the New Testament, but it is also seen in the Old Testament, such as when Moses raised Joshua to succeed him, such as how the prophet Samuel showed deep concern for King Saul and Elijah 
gave all that he could for Elisha. So these mentors or disciples in modern term imparted everything that they could and they also established personal relationships with their mentees more than just a job. Likewise, we see the same thing with the Apostle Paul and the young pastor Timothy. Observe with me in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, and 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. How does Paul address Timothy? He calls Timothy my true child, and he also calls Timothy my beloved child. In the same way, when you go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 22, Paul also says this, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. So we can see that Paul's relationship with Timothy was not just a mere co-worker in the ministry, but he loved and cared for him as a father would to his own son. I'm sure Timothy likewise sees Paul as his spiritual father. So in the context of 1 Timothy, which we shall see for as an overview only, Paul has left Timothy in the city of Ephesus to put a stop to the false teachers who had taken leadership roles in the churches there. Timothy was to combat the false teachings of the false teachers. Since Timothy was still a young pastor, he needed all the encouragement and wise advice in this difficult task as a pastor. Though they were apart, Paul still extended whatever help he could by writing the epistle. And it's very complete. Chapters 1 to 3 talks about the doctrines for the church, and chapters 4 to 6 talks about practical examples. So the biblical pattern is to develop personal relationship with the people God entrusted to you. So my question is, brothers and sisters, is God directing you to a specific person? How intentional are you for the people whom God placed in your life? How intentional are you to these people? Have you developed a personal relationship with them? Are you also imparting whatever you can to help their faith? You know, decades later, Paul would tell Timothy to do the same thing, to develop personal relationship. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul desires for spiritual great-grandchildren from Timothy, his own spiritual son, to the faithful men, and then to those that they would eventually teach. We are entrusted to do the same thing. So number one, again, intentional discipleship is personal. For our second point, intentional discipleship is active. Intentional discipleship is active. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Allow me to read God's word again. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. 
So I also remember the time I was able to visit a sickly former elder of a church together with my parents when they paid me a visit during one of my summer practicum in the province. He was known to be an active and encouraging elder to the members of his church. And upon arriving at his home, I saw all the tubes that were connected to him. And I can also see the suffering that he was undergoing. And also when we arrived and he saw my parents after a long time, I can see the smile in his eyes. And when we started to sing a hymn, I observed his eagerness to sing along. But unfortunately, he couldn't because he had tube attached to his throat. And even when we prayed for him, we can see that he was praying with us as well. So even in his suffering, the elder's example of joy and perseverance continued to encourage others. Our goal was to provide encouragement, but I left his home getting encouragement as well. So when you read 2 Timothy, you'll observe a similar scenario. The one in distress was the one giving encouragement. So even in chains, Paul continued to be active in Timothy's life. And you can feel the intense emotions similar to a father's last words to his own son. A lot has changed since the first letter. Paul was now imprisoned for the final time. He was in solitary and closed confinement, and he was awaiting execution. So this is one of his last three letters. But in spite of being in chains, Paul continued to extend encouragement. Paul could have just thought about himself. Paul could have just prayed for himself. Paul could have just find, found different ways to cheer himself up. However, despite of his situation, what was he actively doing in the opening of his second letter? Wow, it was still about others. He remembered Timothy and he was constantly thinking about him and his welfare, especially that Timothy is fighting against false teachers and their teachings. So the word remember appears twice, once in verse 3 and once in verse 4. And also when you see verse 5, you will see a synonymous word, the word remind. So by reminiscing their time together, Paul became thankful to God for using him in the ministry, the ministry that allowed him to meet a young, passionate believer whom he regarded as his own son. So in the second part of verse 3, Paul likewise remembered Timothy constantly in his prayers night and day. Wow, Paul was actively praying for him. He prayed for him unceasingly, applying 2 Thessalonians 5.17. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, prayer was also Paul's instruction that the work of believers and the growth of the church may continue, for they are both dependent on the power of God. So Paul was active in praying for Timothy because the churches he taught were leaning to false teachings. As a young pastor, Paul knew Timothy cannot do this on his own. He needs the power of God for wisdom and strength in order to win the battle. And the same goes with the people entrusted to us. We should constantly and actively pray for them as we continue to walk with them and teach them. We are called to be faithful in our work for the Lord, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit to open their hearts 
and to open their minds in order to help them fight their own battle against sin and trials in their lives. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, how often do you pray for the people that you are discipling? Even as you face your own trials, even if you are suffering right now, do you remember to pray for those who are also in distress? I hope that after concluding our prayer and fasting week, we are reminded to pray more and be constant to God and to pray also for other people. So in addition, Paul showed activeness by expressing eagerness to see him. He remembered the tears of Timothy during their last parting. Timothy was sorry to part with Paul and Paul desired to see him, seeing the affections the two of them had for each other. So true joy is evident whenever they are together. And this can only spring up if we go back to our first point, if the relationship is personal. And that's where we find true joy whenever they meet. So brothers and sisters, do you look forward to meet with those that you are discipling? Do you look forward to meet with your group? Do you find the joy in the midst of believers? Paul showed intentionality by being active in remembering his mentee and even other believers in the faith through thanksgiving, prayer, and meeting each other. So what is intentional discipleship? It is first personal, and second, it is active. Lastly, for our third point, intentional discipleship is patient. Intentional discipleship is patient. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and let's take a look at verses 1 to 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Living in a fast-paced world today, it seems like there's no time for patience. Some consumers are willing to pay more for convenient and faster transactions. Some drivers are even on their horn just as the traffic light turns green. Some look for means to skip the line. Some kids are even willing to pay in online games just to level up their character or to advance to the next level. Some would just quit rather than persevere. Here's a truth about discipleship. There are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts when it comes to discipleship. Even if we know all the techniques, there's no guarantee. In fact, we may even toil and struggle, just as Paul did in his ministry to the churches, such as in Colossians 1.29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. We must be patient. God has his own time and his own ways. Just as plants and trees have different time and season to bear fruit, same goes with believers. For it is God who works in us. And by knowing this, it should counter pride in us. It, remains, it reminds us also that all that we have and are, all that we can do and achieve, 
All of these come from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And this is the reality. Even if we are active in the lives of those we minister to, we don't always see immediate fruit. Sometimes you may even reach the point by asking yourself, what have I done wrong? When those that we handle become passive or even depart like the Galatians. The Galatians were also under Paul's teachings, but Paul didn't give up on them. On the other hand, there will also be times when God allows harvest that may get you thinking, what did I do right there? So these only show that God has his own ways that are beyond human ways or human methods. So brothers and sisters, be patient. Not everyone is or will immediately be like Timothy. To disciple, we must accept the call to service and suffering as Paul used three analogies in verses 4 to 6. Paul wants to motivate Timothy and everyone after him to stay coarse when all else would give up. The analogies of a soldier, of a runner, and particularly of a farmer, Paul mentions about these to encourage hard work. To encourage hard work. Because farmers suffer in their efforts to produce a harvest. They work long and backbreaking hours. So just as a patient farmer plants his crops, trusting that they will eventually spring up, we are to trust in God to use His Word, even if we never see the fruit. Let's not forget discipleship is still God's powerful work. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, are you patient in discipling those God entrusted to you? Or do you resort to your own ways? Find strength in Christ Jesus, as Paul declares in verse 1. There may be some who may really challenge our patience as they remain unresponsive. But we should continue to constantly pray for them and invite them from time to time. Be eager to meet them if possible. So trust that the Lord will be gracious to extend His ways to them. So that is the third point of intentional discipleship. We must be patient. So again, what is intentional discipleship? First, it is personal. Second, it is active. And third, is patient toward the people God entrusted to us. In closing, since we've been talking about discipleship for nearly two months, what is the goal of discipleship? And why do we have to spend countless of hours to be personal, active, and patient in a person's life? Well, for us to know the answer to this question, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And Paul says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So here we can see that first, we are to pass on the trust. Though this passage is originally written to a pastor, 2 Timothy is scripture for all Christians. We are all called to be faithful to God, even through sufferings. And what is entrusted to us? It's the gospel. When Paul said, what you have heard from me, you are to pass it to them. It's the teaching of the apostles, which is the very word of God from our living God. No matter what situation we are facing in today, 
we are to guard the gospel, going back to chapter 1, and to pass it on to other people. Second, we are to pass it on to faithful men. In the context of this passage, Paul is addressing to the leaders for them to take charge in keeping the gospel. The faithful men to whom Timothy was to look for are those who are loyal to Christ and to the teachings of the apostles. They are committed to the sound doctrine of our faith. Now, not all of us are called to be pastors or leaders of a church, but all of us should become the kind of people Timothy was to look for, and that is to be faithful men and women. So identify a person or people whom you can trust as if you're entrusting something precious to him or her. The gospel is priceless. We should invest our time, effort, and preparation wisely. And third but last, we are to build up these faithful people to be like their mentor or to be like us. And one of the famous verses of Paul is 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Paul also calls the Galatians to be like him in Galatians 4 verse 12. So what does it mean to be like Paul? Two words, mature and faithful to the gospel message of our master, Jesus Christ. As we spend hours of our time and energy to those whom God has entrusted to us, we should seek to mature and to be faithful first ourselves in order for us to disciple that they may also be mature and faithful. So as a reflection, I want you to name a couple of people in your life whom you would love to see mature in Christ. You can message them and plan a common time to help them in their walk with Jesus. Invest your time and effort with these people. And don't forget to seek the wisdom and power of God. Be personal, be active, and be patient with them. And this is what intentional discipleship means. We are to build them up in order for them to become mature and faithful men and women of our Master, Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you through the preaching of His Word. Let us close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word that continues to, to give counsel, wisdom, and joy in our lives. Lord, we just want to thank you for the people whom you have used to devote their time, effort, and energy in order to make the gospel known to us and to build us up to be the people you called us to be. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is active in our lives to help us understand your word and to help us live the lives we ought to as followers of Christ. Lord, I just want to devote this time to pray for every pastor, every church leader, every small group leader, every Sunday school teacher, and every member of your church who are taking time to disciple other people. I pray for your power, your wisdom to always be upon them. I pray that you will continue to give them joy should they face discouragement in their work for you. And Lord, help them to persevere in hard times. Thank you for your perfect example of true discipleship. We pray for those who are still unbelievers or who are young in their faith, that they will devote time and grow the desire that they may also be nurtured, that they may become mature and faithful 
and they may eventually lead and train others to be followers of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, again for this day that we can worship together as one body in Christ. This we ask and thank you in the name of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Here are some announcements before we end our worship service today. We have small groups for all ages that faithfully study God's Word and pray for each other. If you do not have a group yet and you desire to join one, please get in touch with any member of the pastoral team so that we can help you find a group. Our Sunday school schedule is every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the morning. If you have kids from 4 to 12 years old, they are welcome to join our NMEC Kids Worship Online. For first-time attendees, kindly visit our Facebook page for registration. Our Engage Youth Fellowship meets every Saturday at 3 p.m. via Zoom. We cater to the youth from ages 13 to 25 years old. We have regular Bible study and small group afterwards. For this coming Saturday, we are concluding our topics on love, which will be held on February 27 at 8 p.m. via Zoom. Please check our website and Facebook page for meeting information. For our Bong-on seniors, they will have their Bible study every Wednesday at 9.30 to 10.30 in the morning. This will be in Hokkien. And this will be led by our very own Pastor Phoebe. Please get in touch with her should you desire to join. If you have friends or relatives who prefer to listen to God's Word in Mandarin, we have our Mandarin worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. via Zoom. There are also Bible study and prayer meeting during the weekdays. If you want to know more about NMEC, please visit our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and our website for more information and other announcements. Thank you for worshiping with us today. May you have a blessed week ahead. God bless you all.